0: Um, so, if you need a Bible, put your hand up, um, but you might not need it that much, so I'm going to read to you, and then I'm just going to explore that passage. We're going to look at Mark eight thirty-four to thirty. Uh, actually it's 38, I think in the preaching plan uh, it says to 35, and uh, just while we're uh, waiting for those uh, to be given out, I don't know about you, I sometimes think it's quite a confusing world. Do you get that sense? Uh, it seems like people can do things wrong, they're called right, and then you do things right, and you get criticised, and... Uh, Politics is a little bit of a funny uh, situation, or not really funny, but a confusing situation uh, right now. Uh, Business, uh, there's good business, and good business people and there's bad business and bad business people. There's some rulers that you question, you know, you send uh, countries like ourselves, not only us, we send aid to foreign countries and it gets stolen, it doesn't get to the people that's supposed to get to. That is confusing why anybody that runs a country would want to keep his people in that way. Even in churches there's confusion. You ever notice that in churches? You see the press, there's a lot of confusion um, about. You've got some churches that honour the word of God, Uh, and honour Christ, and they're committed. They put him at the centre, and there's growth. Uh, There's good stories out there. If you read the Christian press, there's really good stories uh, out there in churches, in this country and abroad. They focus on mission and ministry, which is good. But equally, you can get churches that uh, are lacking. Um, They're more about themselves than the person of Christ. They're apathetic. They're lazy. They're not really concerned for the people outside uh, the walls, therefore ignoring Jesus' command to go and make disciples. But as a church, we need to be a witness to the world. Um, originally, uh, the promise given to Abraham that uh, the uh, Is- Is- Israelites would be a people shining, they'd be a witness to the world, and, uh, which was great. And they got things wrong, and uh, they got things right. Uh, but equally, in the New Testament, when you read the book of Galatians, which we're going through as a team, actually, in our uh, morning devotions, uh, you see that it says we're grafted in. To that promise. We're part of that people, which is amazing. And so we want to put Christ and His Word at the center of all we do. And I think in this confusing world, my opinion is, is that it creates great opportunities for churches to stand on the truth. And it it confuses people out as much as we're confused, it confuses people outside of the church when we wander away uh, from God's word, when we wander away to the guiding light of his spirit, when we wander away from the person of Christ, because then if we're confused, they're confused, everyone's confused. And I remember at Spurgeons they said you do have to witness to society, you do have mission to the world, but never bend so much that you break. We still hold on, we put Christ at the centre. And that's what discipleship is all about. And I have a strong conviction that Christ, as ever, is calling to himself those that are really willing to dedicate their lives fully to him, to commit to themselves themselves, Um, uh, sorry, to commit themselves uh, uh, to him and also commit themselves to other Christians out of love for him because he asks us, doesn't he, to uh, be part of his family, to present our bodies as a living sacrifice which the Bible tells us to do for all that he wants to do in this world today, this confusing world. And as we work through the whole series and we've not... Well, you know, I've done the preaching plan up to a certain point, and Bernard mentioned to me last week, it's always a blessing when Bernard comes to me and says, we've got to start thinking about the new preaching plan. I think, oh, thank God for Bernard. Where is he? Is he here? Oh, he's out there. Okay. Uh, Because he put, I can say it now, he puts it all together for me, and I put in the things, logistically, he's he's excellent. Uh, If anyone had the gift of administration, it's Bernard. And I thank God for him. But when I'm looking at that preaching plan, I can see we've got so much further to go in in discipleship, and uh, we're only about halfway through these topics as we go. And as we work through this topic of discipleship, of apprenticeship, that's what the word means, which I'll come back to. It's an apprenticeship, uh, one that we're never going to graduate from this side of heaven. This apprenticeship of following, my prayer is that we'll all commit fully to him, God himself, Uh, Christ at the centre, the word at the centre, the spirit living within us who speaks to us today. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Um, who died for his faith in the last century in the Second World War, said these famous words, when Christ calls a person, he bids them come and die. I mean, that's quite a... A statement, and for him that 's exactly what happened and obviously, not necessarily for everybody is martyrdom, but every Christian is called to be authentic, dedicated, radically uncompromising discipleship, radically uncompromising discipleship, not the take it or leave it discipleship, not the ones where I want people to be a blessing to me, but i won 't be to them, not all the good verses, but also the the challenging verses as well, and sometimes that means and undoubtedly. It will happen. It, it comes at personal cost. It costs us. There's a cost of discipleship, uh, which we'll look at. So Mark 8, eight thirty four to um, uh, 38. I'll find it myself now. Where am I? Okay. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loves his life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? Or what can man give in exchange for his soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. Now whether it's not... Uh, Whether or not it's in our generation, Jesus is coming back. And he is coming back. And there are signs all over the place. And preachers have been saying he's he's coming back in their generation for the last 2,000 years. So I'm not going to be one of them. But he might. And I I don't know the time. Um, uh, You don't know the time. Some people claim to know the time, but we don't. But he could come back this very morning. He could come back in another 2,000 years. I don't know. What I do know is I I don't want him to find me or the church that we're part of wanting and in apathy and lacks. And so we've got this passage here, the way of the cross that we've just read. He's saying to seek him, find him and follow him is the key to life. Without him, without him life and pressures and all the confusion can be overwhelming. We can lack direction because fact, in fact you will lack direction because you are lost. The Bible says if you're not with Christ, you've got to be, if you're not for Christ, you're against him. There's no middle road, I'm a good person, or I do the right things, or all road leads to God, we were talking about that last week. They don't. Only one name is above all names, and that is Christ. And in this confusing world, we need to hang on to that name and put it in the centre. So, three headings, you'll, you'll be pleased, So, and it's not a long term because we've got communion. But I just want to challenge us as we start this series. So, first of all, you're called by Jesus. In Matthew 4, 19, uh, Jesus walking along the Sea of Galilee, and he sees two brothers, doesn't he, Simon Peter and his brother Andrew. And what does he say to them? It's very simple, and it's what he says to us this morning. Come, follow me. Just come and follow me. He went on to say, I will make you fishers of men. So follow him, and then I'm going to give you a mission. And what did they do? They heard his call, come follow me. They responded. Verse 20 says, at once they left their nets and followed him. And then it resulted in a change of life. Verse 22, he said, they left the boat and their father and followed him. And later on, uh, some of them are moaning at Jesus, we've given up everything for you, uh, as if they've done him a favour but we'll look at that. The noun, the noun disciple, uh, which is uh, Mathetus, is used in the New Testament 264 times. Do you like that, that little factor? I, I found that out. I read it in a book. In secular Greek, the word means an apprentice or a student of a subject. So my son's trained to be a plumber. He's an apprentice. He's not a plumber yet. Don't ring us up to ask him to come and fix a tap. We haven't trusted him on our own yet. Um, but I'm sure he can do it. He tells me he can do it, but he said he's too busy to do it, which is interesting. Um, but anyway, he's learning. He goes around with another person, and he learns. And He goes to college one day a week, and he learns. When I first started on the stock market floor, they don't trust you straight away to start wheeling and dealing in shares. They, they gave you a little blue badge. And whenever I put this on, it reminds me of it, because it's exactly how I used to wear it, you see. And I was called a blue button, which was a trainee, or sort of a, a real lowest of the low. But one day... Um, I, I, was, I went up to the 20th floor of the stock exchange and they did what they call authorised you and then you got a yellow badge which I got it at home and I should have bought it really but a yellow badge which means now you could commit your firm to bargains on the Florida stock market but you never stopped learning because one day I wanted to be the silver badge which was a member dealer you had a share in the stock exchange I never made that uh, they sold it and, um, before I could be uh, part of that but it was an apprenticeship and it was being with somebody, it was learning from somebody. And that's what this word disciple means, it's being an apprentice of Christ. Learning from the one who's teaching, watching to see what he's doing, listening to what he said. And then most, one of the most important things, acting it out. Not just, we can have loads of Bible knowledge, but are we actually doing it? Jesus calls people to himself today, and this morning he calls you, he says, come, follow me. And we need to respond, and I know I do, on a daily basis. And sometimes it does mean leaving things behind. It does mean rethinking attitudes or ambitions sometimes or values. Because what we're doing is we're putting Christ at the centre, not myself. Uh, I remember, for me, that was walking, I told you this before, but walking through Minster Park. And I finally said, OK, I, I choose to follow you. I hear your call, and I choose to follow you. And that's when the journey began. It wasn't the end, it was the beginning. We said that about baptism last week. But I realised that if, if I'm to follow him, I've got to know his word, I've got to know what he said, I've got to listen to what the Spirit is saying now. And that's a journey, an ongoing journey. But equally meant I have to do it. If I believe God is saying something to me, I have to put it into practice. So the second thing, so we are called to Christ, but he calls us to serve him. He calls us to serve him. Mark eight thirty four. he says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. And in those times, the disciples of... Uh, there were loads of disciples um, then. You know, John had his own disciples, didn't he? And other people had their own disciples. And, and it just meant you were learning from the person that you are a disciple of. Well, Jesus is pointing to himself. If you want to be my disciple, you take up the cross, because sometimes it's going to be costly, and follow me. And the disciples of those times... <coughs> excuse me, of a Jewish rabbi, they would submit themselves to their master until a time came when they were deemed, it's like getting their yellow badge, when they could leave their schooling and become masters or even uh, rabbis themselves. But that's not the case with Jesus. Jesus calls his disciples to a wholehearted obedience and it's for life. So he does send us out, but he comes with us by his spirit. He doesn't ever leave us on our own. We effectively, as I said earlier, don't graduate this side of heaven. We're continually trained by him. Going back to broken days again, we used to have these um, uh, things come up once a month. Anti-money laundering was the favourite. We all loved that. Not money laundering, the anti-money laundering. And so to satisfy the um, FCA, the regulator, your firm had to show that they were continually training you. So every month you had to take this test. And it would be things like, if a client rings up and gives you, I don't know, a $50 million trade, he's not really bothered about the execution, and, and says, charge whatever commission you like, I really don't care. That's a, that's a red light. And I have to say, I've, no, I've never had a client in my life <laughs> be as easy as that. Um, but the idea being, they don't care, they just want to wash it through the system. So you had to redo these tests, and you'd put it, and it was all online, and you did it. And once a month, they could be seen that we've trained Ian in anti-money laundering, and it ticks their box. Uh, which, is, which is good. The other one I used to like was the health and safety. We love health and safety. You know, you know the health and safety? And I got 100% every time. And before uh, you think I'm particularly clever at health and safety, and the office will tell you I'm not, I tend to put chairs down standard and to get the books on the top shelf, which, which Sarah doesn't like. But, but, um, but you get these uh, things come through. You've got to take your health and safety and give you pictures and it would say things like, and these are, we're all supposed to be well-educated people, It'd be, they'd show the computer screen with a mug of coffee on the top saying, is this safe? <laughs> no. And you t- but you had to do it because the firm, uh, and I, that, was a genuine, that was a genuine picture, you know, they put leads on the floor, is this safe? No. Well done Ian, you've got 100% again. The idea being they're continually training you to think about what is right and what is wrong. And uh, for us when we uh, look to following Christ, we need reminding and we need to keep going back. And if, if companies are doing that in that kind of farcical way, surely as Christians we need to keep, keep coming back to his word and saying, I choose to follow you. And I may have to leave things behind. For the fishermen, it was their boat and their dad and they gave basically their lifestyle up. Not, that won't be the same for all of us, uh, but we will be um, asked to leave some things that are harmful to us behind. So it's a reminder. I need those reminders. I need those um, monthly. uh, We should do one, shouldn't we? I've just got an idea. We could send out an email. Monthly reminder. Go and look at this passage and are you doing this, this, this? No, you'd hate that. That's what we're doing at church, isn't it? Uh, But but no, a a reminder to go back and see what Christ is calling me to do. And I have to say, I've I've got to get out of that mindset of, well, I won't do that bit or I can't do it. Uh, and swap that and be reminded to have an attitude of, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I am valued, I am committed, and I'm sold out for Christ. I have to remind myself and go back to the Word to do that. We're told to encourage one another daily because we're in it together. Now, I'm not a person who generally looks for sympathy. I was very ill over Christmas, and thank you. And, uh, but there's a lot of illness around, to be fair. But I was probably sicker than most and, and um, at least I gave that impression. And, um, and, and the, but what it gave me was a chance to line the settee. Uh, Andrew will say this is a normal week for me, uh, but it wasn't. And line the settee. And I watched, you know, I ran out of box sets to watch. I was bored. I don't like just sitting there doing nothing. And I watched um, the whole way through Band of Brothers again. Everyone seen Band of Brothers? No? Yes? Yeah. So it's about, uh, in the Second World War, Americans, you know, who won it for us. Um, uh, in the Second World War and they, Easy Company who get drafted in the Second World War and they went, it's a true story it's a, it, they take the interviews from the original people and they show you what they went through and it is actually really, really humbling the sacrifice but what struck me uh, and you know, the clues in the title, Band of Brothers is how close they were uh, they would literally lay their lives down for the next man some of them did uh, some of them threw people out the way when a grenade was coming to only be blown up themselves. They put others before themselves. And, and the ones that you're interviewing now, I mean, it's about 15 years old now, I think, but um, they're interviewing, and they still got this love for one another and speaking with tears in their eyes about the people who laid down their lives for them. And, and the Bible says to us that we're to build each other up, to encourage one another. Because this life that we're called to in discipleship is too hard to have inner fighting. And people, the world will put us down. We don't need it in here. Uh, encouragement. And sometimes there's rebuke and gentle criticism, but always in love. Uh, but encouraging, coming in here to be refuelled and sent out. Amazing. So we're called to Christ. We're called to follow Christ. And we're called to do that together. And the last thing is we're called to serve. Um, we, we have the cross. We have Christ on the cross pay him for our sin we know that he came down from the cross we know he died and we know he was raised again and that's brilliant but we're called to serve we're called to serve Luke 10 verse 3 uh, Jesus talking to his disciples go I am sending you we've been commissioned we have the great commission we've been called by him we've been called to him and we're sent by him called to Jesus then commissioned uh, by Jesus he said didn't he when he sent out the 72 pray for the sick Clothe them, feed them, drive out demons, preach, heal, deliver. When Jesus called Simon and Andrew to follow him, he said he would make them fishers of men. Uh, And later on, he sent out all those people to do the same thing. And we're still in that. We've been commissioned. Called by him, called to him, and sent by him. And there's two challenges uh, that we have to face, uh, which Jesus, in the Gospels, continually uh, corrects. There's ungodly ambition, and I want this church to grow, but like, it should never be for my purposes. I don't want to go to a minister's conference, so I'll look at us, we've got the biggest church in whatever. Uh, I, I don't get involved in any of those conversations. You can be big and very unhealthy, uh, we know that, but, and you can be small and very healthy. But we, of course we want the kingdom to grow, and I want that, but it can never be for selfish ambition. It must be the ambition for Christ and his church, putting him at the centre. And we found that in the New Testament, ungodly ambition. The disciples argued amongst themselves, didn't they, about who was the greatest or who was going to be the greatest, and James and John asking for specific special positions in heaven. And that's seeking status rather than being given standing. I remember Nigel Wright, our principal at Spurgeon, saying to us, it's okay to seek standing because it's something that's given to you, but don't seek status, which is something that's demanded, and people won't respect it. Uh, but standing is given and you've earned it. Status is you think you're better than you really are and people should think that as well, which is wrong. And the second one is self-pity. Luke 18.28 said, Peter said to him, we've left all we had to follow you. He's having a little bit of a whinge. And uh, you hear that in church, don't you? Sometimes from the minister probably, uh, but certainly from the congregation as well. I'm not on my own in that. Um, We'd like a bit of a moan. And sometimes it all feels a bit too uh, difficult. Maybe in that passage, Peter was feeling it for the first time. Maybe he was thinking, God, you know, I've given up everything for this fella. You know, and, and it's really cost me. But Jesus answers him. He reassures him in verse 30 of chapter 18. You'll receive much more in this life and in the age to come. Eternal life. Nobody else can give you that. Nobody. And Jesus paid for it. I remember my, my call, and I got inducted up the, up the road in stock. And, and Bob Allen, remember Bob? Yeah, I love Bob. Uh, Bob Allen came, he preached at my induction. He chose creation as the subject, <laughs> interestingly. Um, but uh, there you go. Um, but he said in that preach, he looked at me in the eye and he said, remember, Ian, Christ called you, uh, but you accepted. And there's no room for moaning about that. You accepted that call. And, you know, to us it wasn't that costly, but it was a bit costly. We did, we did lose some friends. Uh, people thought we'd gone a bit weird. They're probably right. Uh, it cost me, uh, when I became a Christian in a business sense, because I would no longer do certain things uh, that we used to do, uh, and it certainly cost us financially, but we're not to moan about it. This is a great call, and all of us have our own call. We humbly accept that call, and God has reminded me personally again and again that he is faithful, and that this journey is an adventure. And whatever it cost me, it cost him so much more. And so I don't really want to be like Peter, saying, you know what, I've given up for you. It's a little bit arrogant. I want to give myself to him. So Christ calls you. He calls you to follow him and he calls you to, to serve. He calls you to himself. He calls you to say, look, I'm changing my mind like we heard last week. I've repented. I'm being baptised. I'm being filled with the Spirit. And that's my beginning of my journey. And I'm going to keep the person of Christ at the centre. He is alive. This is not just a wooden book with its set of rules and regulations. He is alive and he speaks to us through his word. The spirit guides us into all truth. He is alive. It's so personal. But if you're not getting into it, if you're not willing to embrace it, you're going to miss him. You're going to miss him. And so we focus on the person of Christ, not just his teaching. We look at his teaching, but he speaks to us even now. He led by example and we are devoted to each other. We're devoted to following him now our giving of time and of money and of sacrifice. We're devoted in telling others because he sent us and he's commissioned us and he calls us to serve. He is alive and he's personal and that is good news. And the confused world out there doesn't know it. And sometimes it's the church that is capitulating and sending out so many mixed messages because they walk away from this word that it undermines his gospel. And, you know, that's not that his message is wrong. It means his messengers get it wrong. The message is good news. That's what gospel means. He is alive and he is personal. When Buddha... You will not often hear me talk about Buddha too much. I find him a distraction. Um, But when he was dying... His followers asked how they could best remember him, and he said to them, I wouldn't bother. I wouldn't bother. And basically he was saying it was his teaching and not his person that counted. But it's all different with Jesus. His teaching does count, but he's alive, and we say we follow him, and we can hear his voice through this word in other ways. The Spirit dwells within us, and we can know him, and therefore everything has to centre around him. As we journey on this theme of discipleship, I'd just ask you to be open to his word. Get into it if you're not already. There's loads of, it's so much easier now. You know, Katie said earlier that we thank the older generation for teaching us and passing it down. That's absolutely right. But there, it's so easy now. You can go on a phone and get an app, and I'm using the Bible in one year, which uh, uh, Nikki Gumbel uh, writes, um, and it's brilliant. But there's loads of them, and you can, they're all free. And it just comes up, you've done, you, you, I don't need to be told to do the reading, it's the first thing I do. He puts it out at midnight, so when I wake up it's there, <laughs> and, um, and it tells me when I've not done it, which is really good. Um, but, but it's okay, so you learn, and then you, then you have to say, what, God, what are you saying to me in this? Because Nicky Gumbel might get something else through it, you know, he wrote Alfred, he's pretty good at that sort of stuff, but, but and I haven't written anything, but God Speaks. You know, you've got the Bible readings on there. You click, it comes up. But get, Bring your Bibles to church. Underline, scribble. You know, it speaks. I've, when I've done, I don't do it this because it's a church Bible. When I've underlined, actually, I go back and think, I'll remember that. That was when I was going through this time and going, thanking God for the past, where he speaks to us. Thanking that he speaks to us right now. Thank you that he's speaking to us for the future. Yesterday, today, and forever. Christ at the centre. So as we journey on this theme of discipleship, be open to God's word. Be open to the Spirit's leading. As Norbert said, we're getting uh, shared pictures and verses on a weekly basis. And I want to share them. I'll send them out with the agenda for the church meeting because I want you to ponder them. I want you to pray about them. And I want you to come to that meeting uh, with anything that you feel uh, should be shared. The church meeting, I mean, much more open and fluid uh, now. You know, we're in the CIO, and we can't quite do what we want, and nor should we. But it does give us a chance to uh, come and change, maybe. Uh, the way we do things, and so much more openness to God's leading, much more uh, hearing from God. So be praying about that now, and then come along and share. I think that's what the original meetings were supposed to be about, discerning God's voice to us. But we'll sh- I'll share those words with you. But be open to them. Be open to God speaking to you. Be a true disciple. Get an application. I can, you know, Come and see me. There's loads. But that is a good one, and it doesn't cost you anything. Uh, what it teaches you might cost you. There's a cost to discipleship. But it means you'll read the Bible in one year and you'll be fed, not only on a Sunday or your DG groups. But if you're not in a DG group, get in one. Be, become a, a disciple. Follow. Church members meetings I've already mentioned. Come along to discern. Bring what you believe God is saying or tell us beforehand and we'll, we'll share it. Uh, when I prepare a sermon, I pray on a Monday. I'm going to pray every day, but particularly on a Monday after the Sunday. I so, say, right, God, what is it you're saying? to your people for this Sunday. And you know what happens? It's almost, I think Gary mentioned the other day, it's almost like sometimes it takes ages, but sometimes it's a download, and and you're just getting it, and you can't quite write quick enough, because, and what I think God's saying today is get serious about discipleship. Because all of this is really that. He says, come follow me, so follow him. No holes barred. Radical discipleship. But notice the words I've used, download. It comes down to me. I'm not telling God what I think he should be doing with his church, or his people, or myself, or my family. I want to download it from him. It comes down to me, and by his grace he speaks. So this, and then I have to get on with it. I have a choice to be obedient or not, and that's discipleship, following Christ and being sold out for him. Sometimes it means giving things up, uh, some, but he'll bless you in so many other ways. And so the question is this morning: Are you know, are we up for it? Are we up for it, this radical lifestyle? Will we really be like Abraham's descendants were supposed to be in the beginning, a shining light to all the other nations? Will the Christians here and other churches be able to go into the town and, and witness or pray or just be a Christian? You know, you're not the one being rude to the waitress or you're not the one um, you know, with the road rage or whatever it is, all these temptations, all these things, we're supposed to be different. And the Bible says don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world. The world is confused, and the world needs Christians. The world needs Jesus, and Jesus says uh, that he sends us with that message. So that's the journey uh, we're going to be on. So this is just really the opening battle cry, if you like. We're a band of brothers and sisters. We're devoted to one another. We should be, because that's one of the things the Bible says to be. We don't want to give up in the habit of meeting together because the Bible tells us to. We do want to encourage one another daily because the Bible tells us to. And if we're true disciples, we're going to do what God says to us for his word. We're going to look out for one another, bear with one another, forgive whatever grievances we've got against one another because the Bible tells us to do that. We're going to love one another. And sometimes it's hard because people upset us. But that's what the Bible says to do. Jesus prayed for his enemies from the cross. He's led by example. Am I a true disciple? in my finances, in my giving of time, in my service, is am I really a disciple of Christ? Because when he does come back, which may be this morning, and it may be another 2,000 years, I don't want him to find me or the church I lead wanting. And I don't think you want him to find you wanting uh, either. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and we want to say that we commit to that word this year. Over the years, you've led us and you've guided us, and we're so grateful I pray this year, Lord, will be for some a reaffirming of their faith, maybe for others that have drifted a bit that are really will say, yeah, I'm going to commit to this. And the blessings that come will outweigh what the world can give. And I pray that the church in this country and abroad will be a living witness to your truth in a sometimes confusing world. So help us to get to know your word, get to know you through your, that word, that your spirit would burn brightly within us and that we would uh, go out into the world as your witnesses. In Jesus' name, amen.